Hi everyone, very nice of you all to join us for another uh, podcast here from CGI. My name is Tom van der Leest and I'm uh, within CGI responsible for one of the business units focusing on energy and utility markets in the, in the Netherlands, specifically in the northern part of the Netherlands. And with me here today is, uh, is Martijn. Martijn and I have worked uh, for many years on energy projects in the Netherlands, so I'm very happy to, uh, to have you on board. So Martijn, how are you today? Yeah, very good. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm delighted that we can do this uh, today. So uh, let's get on with it. Awesome. Well, let's have a good chat about some of uh, some cool new market developments that are heading our way. So um, as mentioned before, we've worked quite closely on the uh, Dutch energy market and specifically energy data management. And in the past, I think few years, we've seen an, uh, more and more emphasis on renewable management and renewable energy in the energy mix. I see it at clients in the northern part of the Netherlands, like uh, the Dutch gas TSO. But I think with your uh, client base, you also see loads of developments heading into that direction. What's your take on it? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, first, I think um, I want to say it's really great that we can uh, that we can do that uh, this. And um, I'm really happy that, uh, that also we can do it together, because uh, I think we worked four years or something together on this uh, uh, within the Dutch energy market. So it's good to now have a, have a have a little bit of a look back and then uh, and then look ahead of what is uh, coming towards us around uh, uh, around energy management. Well, if you look at what's happening now recently, and I think in the Dutch a uh, market situation is, is is quite extreme. Last year we had a, a lot of energy suppliers that are that are failing because wholesale prices are 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 going through the roof. Uh, we have gas prices that are soaring, so we are in a very very challenging market uh, uh, at the moment. We see that we have a, a very nice ambition to be uh, climate neutral by 2050. Uh, we want to reduce our, our emissions by 55% when we're in, uh, in, in, in 2030. And that means that throughout all the sectors, we see that, that we, need to, uh, we need to accelerate. So that's not only in the, in the electricity uh, or gas sector, but that's also in, uh, in industry. That's also in the sectors where we, uh, in mobility, we see that we, we need to make a, a lot of steps to make sure that we uh, that we introduce more and more renewables, but as a as a consequence, what you see is that that it's more difficult to predict how we use our energy, how we consume, how we how we produce, uh, what the future will bring will be will be a bit unclear. But but at least there is a need to transport a lot of energy from from well there where you produce is to where we need to consume it. If we want to be more and more green, that's going to be a bigger and bigger uh, uh, challenge. Well, we obviously talked a lot about our time working together about how the energy market is becoming more and more unpredictable. And we've spoken a lot about how renewable energy is less predictable by nature and how that's emphasized by the way that we consume it, either through electric vehicles or through solar panels on a roof or anything in between. So we are now quite accustomed to wind energy and, and solar energy mm -hmm. as being part of the electricity systems. Uh, what's your take on on new renewable energy sources so it could be very interesting to transform the excess of energy that you have in periods with a lot of wind or a lot of sun uh, so that you can use it at a later moment uh, by transforming it into into hydrogen uh, because well when you then use it you you only produce water uh, and energy so there is no co2 that you uh, that comes into the picture there well it's quite an interesting thought that if you have a new commodity like hydrogen that kind of brings a new dimension to the way energy management works, right? Because you have something you can now store the energy with, uh, even though that in the past, it should always be balanced consumption towards productions and it's quite hard to store it. Um, 
obviously uh, hydrogen has been a kind of controversial topic over uh, the last period since mm. its uh, commercial use is not uh, in a really mature stage. And I think uh, we've discussed this before that we see kind of a lot of potential for hydrogen in different sectors, but that potential differs uh, both in maturity and the, the, the way it, it holds potential. We, we use already a lot of hydrogen uh, uh, in, in the industry, but that hydrogen is typically then, it only exists very shortly. Uh, you produce it from natural gas uh, and, and then you use it for uh, as a feedstock in, in, in chemical processes. Uh, and that's the that's the bulk of the hydrogen that is uh, that is used. Um, it becomes more interesting when you when you look beyond this gray hydrogen, how it's uh, how it's called, and you look more sustainable forms. So uh, producing hydrogen uh, through electrolysis uh, mm -hmm. um, with, uh, with 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 for example renewable energy, and then we call it green hydrogen. Well, the application of hydrogen that kind of happens in, in different sectors at different moments in time, right? And, and if you look at the outlook, if we move forward to where we're going to use hydrogen first and what kind of waves, if you will, will we experience looking at that commodity? But what's your take on that? When you look at hydrogen, it, it, it seems promising for, for a lot of different sectors. So if you look in the uh, uh, in the industrial sector where you use it as a, as a feedstock, that's, a, that's one of the first mm -hmm. uh, most convenient industries that you can move towards a more sustainable form of hydrogen. You can, a first, first interesting step what you can do is try to capture the carbon that uh, the CO2 that, uh, that, is, that is currently just being released in the air. Uh, so if you produce hydrogen from natural gas and you capture the CO2, then we call it blue hydrogen. It's in essence, the hydrogen is, is of course yeah. the same, but you don't release the CO2 in the, uh, in the air. What is not kind as of what you see uh, large companies like Tata Steel doing right now, right? Having the initiative to move towards more hydrogen in their production process rather than the uh, conventional uh, energy sources. Uh, for companies like, like Tata, if they, for example, if they need high temperatures uh, in their production process to make steel, then typically what they use is they, they, they burn natural gas. Yeah. Uh, burning natural gas releases, of course, CO2, and in, in essence, that's not that's not what we want, uh, at least in, in a couple of years. Uh, and happily, that's that's still far away, so we have time to uh, to make the necessary steps uh, there. But if you don't burn natural gas, you still you still need to reach those high temperatures, and and switching to electricity is not really a viable option. So then, so hydrogen is actually one of the only, well, maybe the only alternative that you then that you then have. So that's one step. What they need to do there. Um, that's an industrial wave that you can see that you see coming. So a first wave would be everything where we already use hydrogen, moving from there to a more uh, a first step to a blue uh, form uh, of hydrogen, uh, or introducing green hydrogen there uh, already as well. Uh, a second step is more in the in the mobility area, where um, where of course people then. First, would think of uh, uh, hydrogen-powered, uh, fuel-cell-powered uh, cars. If you look in the Netherlands or in Europe, battery electric is uh, is, is kind of winning that uh, that battle. Uh, but for long-haul heavy transport, or for aviation, or for or for shipping, or for uh, rail, where you don't have the um, electricity, electricity-powered trains, there uh, hydrogen is a is a very interesting uh, alternative for the uh, for the future. Well, it's funny that you refer back to these colors because I, I keep getting that picture in my head of that commercial of the energy retailer offering green energy and the consumer actually smelling the gas socket or the electricity socket to understand whether the uh, electricity he was getting was actually green 
or not on how you could tell or could smell it. <laughs> so if you look back at, at, at the different types of hydrogen that we use, and I heard you talking about blue, gray, green, um, what's the difference? What kind of types do we have and, and, and how does that work? So then for gray hydrogen, that's the, that's the hydrogen that's currently mostly, uh, uh, mostly used. Uh, it's produced from natural gas. It releases a CO2 in the air. Yeah. Um, and if you capture then the CO2, we call it blue hydrogen. The hydrogen is exactly the same, but uh, but but you capture then the, uh, the CO2. Um, okay. Green hydrogen is uh, not made from natural gas. It's uh, uh, made through electrolysis. That's a difficult word. It means you um, uh, it, it use electricity through water, uh, and then you split the water uh, into H2 and O2, uh, so in, in, in oxygen and, and hydrogen. If you do that with green energy, uh, we call it green hydrogen that comes out. If you use it with uh, energy from a nuclear power plant, we call it yeah. pink energy. And uh, of course, there there are different. If you use it from uh, from from uh, gray energy, I think the we call the um, uh, uh, we call the hydrogen yellow. I believe. In the end. The more the most sustainable form uh, would be than the would be than the green one. So we're trying to focus more on on, on moving okay. towards a, a green hydrogen uh, uh, economy. No, I, I think you get it. So given that hydrogen is not its own energy source, we're looking at what energy sources do we use to produce it, and that gives it a certain determination in that we translate into a specific color. Exactly. Yeah. So you ca we, we can't yeah. you can't find hydrogen uh, as a as a source of energy somewhere in the uh, in the ground or yeah. uh, or so. So you have to you have to create it. Uh, so th that's where we don't we don't say it's a it's an energy source it's an but but we call it an energy carrier. You can use it to store your energy. You can use it to transport mm -hmm. uh, your energy. If, okay. if if we actually move then to large scale use of, of of hydrogen, there are a lot of challenges that we then need to uh, that we then need to fix because well uh, we need then we need also to store that hydrogen on a large scale. We need to transport it on a on a large scale, and we need to make sure that there is a nice market that that facilitates. Uh, all this and that those are all steps that we're we're not there yet that's that's that makes this field so interesting for the for the upcoming years yeah maybe that's a good thing to uh, to spend some time on because in our introduction we talked about the uh, four years and i think maybe it's even longer but if it feels like four years that i guess it's better than it feels like seven years <laughs> um there is loads in the energy and utility markets on regulations and how a market is developing and on electricity and gas, if you will, you see a existing regulatory shape in which mm -hmm. processes happen, in which there is a market where we trade, produce, consume, transport. And all these things seem, uh, for hydrogen, as if we were at the very beginning of this transition. And what I would be quite interested to know how you, you view uh, this market and how it will evolve and what mm -hmm. steps are good to take first. Yeah. I think you're you're completely correct here. It's 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 very greenfield. We don't have a hydrogen market. Uh, we don't have a hydrogen transport infrastructure. We don't have processes. We have very little regulation, uh, if any, uh, in this area. And it's very that makes it very interesting. If you look at the electricity and gas markets, they well each country had already their own electricity and gas well markets so you will or they liberalized their own markets but throughout europe all those markets are liberalized at their own pace although we you can see similarities between the countries the the the, the actual market model between the countries kind of differs uh, from country to country 
with hydrogen, since everything is now greenfield, it, it feels like a great opportunity to make now a step and create a more consistent international market in which it's much easier to trade uh, cross-border and, and access each other's uh, uh, markets. So that means that also regulation has to be made and has to be put in place that, that facilitates this. But that, this is a bit chicken and the egg. You don't want to over-regulate because then all the innovation of the market is gone and you don't want to stop or not regulate at all and have some major commercial players step in and determine all the rules of the game. So we have to find a way to sit there to sit there in the middle. And well, most likely it, it, in my head, it makes sense to at least agree on some key principles for this regulation where we where we base ourselves on what we have learned in all the unbundling and liberalization processes that we that we went through in the individual uh, electricity and gas markets. Yeah, it seems like a golden opportunity to learn from past mistakes or like well, uh, the money that we spend on uh, going from a very isolated national utility market towards a more international oriented market. And at the same time, it gives funny discussions, right? Because in the electricity market, it's the TSO, the regulated TSO that's responsible for transporting it. Whereas with this greenfield hydrogen, you could even argue that a commercial company would be responsible uh, for transporting hydrogen. Yeah. Do you think that these kinds of key principles should be covered first, or is that also up for debate? I think there's some key principles that that are essential that that, that it's important to agree on. It, it's we pushed quite hard on unbundling in the uh, in the utility markets to make sure that the regulated part and the and the commercial part are are separated. Um, so it would make sense that if we if we spend so much time on unbundling that 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 would be a key principle in this new upcoming uh, uh, hydrogen economy. Similar to the all the necessary transparency rules that we have and the, and the fact that if you have infrastructure in the ground that that other parties can access that infrastructure uh, uh, that there is yeah. that you're not being discriminated because you're from another country or from another type of company or whatever so that everybody has the right to access it that there's the proper amount of monitoring that there is a a regulatory body that's that is there to to maintain the oversight over that over that field i think those are the at least the principles that that we should agree on and then make sure that the regulation has some iterative character that you well can can adapt and learn from what works and what doesn't work yeah and I think that experimenting what works and what doesn't work is kind of happening in these smaller initiatives, what we tend to call hydrogen valleys. Since a few months now, uh, responsible for our uh, our energy market in the north of uh, in the north of the Netherlands, and there we have uh, and there we have one of the first hydrogen valleys, or maybe the first hydrogen valley uh, uh, valley in Europe. And well, a hydrogen valley is something like a, a, a mini market. It's a, a typically a, a local or regional initiative where hydrogen is produced, transported, uh, consumed in, in, in different markets. Those are ideal situations where you can actually try what, what works and what doesn't work. And, and there are a lot of questions that still need to be answered. And not all those questions are based on which regulatory framework is, is good. Well, we have a lot to figure out on yeah. what are the best ways to operate an electrolyzer uh, uh, temperature-wise, what are the safety risks that are, that are involved, uh, how will people look at uh, a hydrogen? How, how will they adopt it? 
so we have a lot of questions that need to be answered and these smaller hydrogen valleys uh, where where also European funds uh, are, are typically part of it to, to accelerate the, the implementation of new initiatives. Uh, those are ideal places to check and see what works. I think in the northern part of the, the Netherlands, we have traditionally have the, the natural gas production and the gas TSO there is responsible for its transport. And they, we've now to, taken the decision in this country to get off the natural gas and try to find different ways. And obviously the government has asked the gas TSO to think about its role in this new hydrogen economy. So uh, mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, the mini market description is quite fitting. Um, and I also recognize that view that you shared that is focusing quite strongly on the asset side, making it work. How do we actually operate an electrolyzer? How do we get it into a bus? How do we uh, monitor what happened with it? Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, it doesn't feel that there's a lot of emphasis on the data side uh, yet. If you look at that data side moving forward, um, what are some key topics you think that uh, the focus should be on in these early days of, the, uh, uh, of this new market? There's a lot of money involved here um, uh, from, from private companies, but also from, from governmental bodies and, and from, from, from Europe, for example. Uh, so there's typically... A, a big need for for transparency and, and and a lot of insight in this is what this is what the position is this is how much hydrogen is created this is what we have been doing with it over time so what we feel that is that it's important to to have a a, a detailed view a, a steady view on this is what is going on in a, a in hydrogen these are the assets these are the parties that are that are involved so that you can track and trace it over uh, over time that you can provide all the reporting and dashboarding that you need to make sh to 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 show um, what has been done with all the investments that are uh, 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 that are in there but if you look if you look further ahead then we we come back to that to that coupling with the electricity market that coupling is essential in the end hydrogen is going to produce uh, be produced from electricity hopefully also from a lot of green uh, electricity that means that the, the market coupling between the future hydrogen market and the and the current electricity market is uh, one of the one of the one of the big challenges that we uh, that we see so if you put yourself in a position that you would be a an energy supplier in the uh, in the future with a lot of green renewable energy sources uh, that you're using and you are also active on the uh, on the hydrogen uh, uh, market you will find yourself in a position that you have a lot of difficult challenges and optimization questions that you will have to uh, uh, that you will have to solve because well what will you do will you will you sell your energy on the on the day ahead market or on the flexibility market to 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 do something with congestion uh, will you transform it to, to, to hydrogen and sell it on the hydrogen market? Will you transform it to hydrogen and keep it for yourself so that when you and, and store it for yourself so that at moments where there's a lot of electricity demand that you can convert it back or that you can, can convert it back on different on different places? Um, yeah. Those challenges require a lot of data uh, over the whole chain uh, and, and requires a lot of insight in what is what do you think will happen with the market? So predictability combining that data making sure that you can you can you can steer all your uh, all your assets in the proper way uh, is, is is something I'm, I'm 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 really interested in how this will evolve in the upcoming 5 10 15 years
Well, it's a it's an interesting development. Also, if you look at the certificates of origin, right, the, the different colors and how you keep track of those, well, how you keep track of how stuff works and how you validate things. I think in our joint experience in the Dutch market, we know how complex it can be if you do this in a central uh, uh, solution for the uh, for all the market processes. Yeah, that's so thinking about that early on. Uh, seems like a good thing. To yeah, do. I think the certificates of origin is is also very interesting. In the end, not all the hydrogen that we will use in Europe will be produced uh, here. We will we will see a lot of import uh, uh, as well, and I think our we see harbors also uh, looking with a lot of interest in this. Uh, we see countries moving yeah. towards um, become trying to become a net exporter of uh, of hydrogen. And somehow you need a way if companies need to report on their own CO two f- footprint. Uh, if they would use then hydrogen, you would need to know how is this hydrogen then, then, then produced. So also this whole certification of origin, making sure that from, from the moment that you create the hydrogen till the moment that you use the hydrogen, that you can track how that has been going and what the CO2 footprint uh, has been, is one of the, well, one of the most, most important things to guarantee that, uh, that we're on the right track, that we're, that we're on the right track for, for our 2050 goals. And that's interesting, right? That it's 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 not a national thing; it's an international development. And I think that with existing energy markets, we have some international oversight, if you will, on, on making sure that we work on a, an equal footing over different countries, and we all will we're correct in the things that we are reporting and producing and consuming. So, if you look at Acer, how they do that now for electricity markets, mm. what do you think that do we need? similar kind of types of organization to manage this field of hydrogen i think we really do because we can i think we can only guarantee that this market that this market will operate as a fair as a fair market with 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 equal opportunities for companies that are that are there if we regulate it which also means that we need the proper regulatory bodies that are that are responsible for these yeah. uh, uh, for these for these markets i applaud the 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 large well, energy companies to 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 invest in uh, to invest in hydrogen and make these steps, and I think that's that's essential, and they can make a serious difference. At the same time, I think we should be hesitant in in creating a world where only the large corporations uh, and large energy companies uh, will determine exactly how that future looks like. Yeah, and I think companies or organizations like Acer or these oversight organizations kind of get that independent assessment on how that market works. Because the thing you mentioned earlier about storing hydrogen for a later moment in time and kind of, you know, taking that into account with trading or, or well, supply and demand estimations, it can lead to a quite a, a, a strong commercial game as well if these markets are so intertwined. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to, to make sure that they're non-discriminatory and transparent over, over the... Uh, the international playing yeah, exactly. field. I think now currently it's 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 relatively small. We have, we're talking about millions and millions of euros, but in the bigger scheme of things, we're currently in the in the beginning. So I believe that we can, well, if we now do the smart things, we can make sure that uh, that we don't need to do a lot of corrections and and complex unbundlings in the uh, in the future. Yeah, and it, I think it can help with is a few other topics as well, right? Because we started off on talking about the 2050 goals and, and the zero emission kind of society and how hydrogen plays a role in that. And at the same time, looking at our current commodities, we have issues with congestion on low voltage parts of the grid that if we have streets in which we all 
plug in 10 electric cars, we really have an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it speaks to the imagination on how hydrogen can play a role in things like flexibility in the market or uh, storage um, and optimization challenges for, for producers. Yeah, exactly. And I think you, you can see different scenarios. And you, can, you can have the, on, on one hand, there is the scenario where we where we see people lowering their energy consumption, having a lot of local local production and local uh, uh, storage of, of energy, maybe even local production of, of hydrogen, if that's um, if the business case is uh, is, is possible uh, uh, for that at uh, at some point in the uh, in the future. And on the other hand, we see the very large scale offshore green energy production with maybe even offshore large scale electrolyzers, and then the need uh, uh, which which also fuels and the need for a large um, uh, transport system of that uh, of that energy and it is just everything is possible and and probably the truth will be somewhere somewhere in the middle Uh, but i think it's too early to now say that will be it it will be either uh, uh, one uh, or the other well it uh, sure seems like an exciting time to be in especially if uh, not only in the goal setting towards the uh, zero emission society but more so also in the field of energy uh, data management and what you need to do as an organization to 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 learn from past mistakes and do this but do this well so i think that uh, as a wrap-up we've there are some some key takeaways uh, if i understood you correctly is that well hydrogen in all its different colors seems quite promising for the future where we should kind of focus on that green hydrogen and, and trying to get that economically viable um, and at the same time, the future is still uncertain. So we need to work on multiple scenarios to see what fits the large international kind of model in which we will have large volume production and transport towards far more the local decentralized production and usage of hydrogen and meet the need to getting a regulative framework that will support uh, this, this growth of this mm-hmm. commodity. And I think that one of the key things that is kind of in between the lines is to think big, but start small uh, by focusing on these hydrogen valley initiatives, but keep in mind how we can scale that up over time. Yeah, I think that's, um, I think there's a very, very good summary. Thanks. Thanks uh, for joining us today. And, and thanks for those, those insights, Martijn. Thank you for um, inviting. Hopefully after all these years in the Dutch energy market, we'll, we'll find some more years to work on the, uh, the development of this exciting new commodity. I'm looking right? forward to it, Tom. Cheers. Bye. See ya.